more. Glorious day, fellow traveler. Welcome to Science and God with Dr. G. That's me, Dr. Michael Gillen, physicist, astronomer, mathematician, and Christian. That's right. Living, breathing evidence that science and Christianity are not mortal enemies, but good friends. Actually, an awesome power couple. Well, today it's uh, that time again. It's uh, Dr. G turns the tables number five. So I am with my very dear friend, uh, Tim Jones, who is an ordained minister, USC film school grad, uh, owns his own studio uh, with some other investors and in downtown Denver. I'm just so proud. So much to catch up on. But Tim, it's great to see you, Tim. It's great, great to see you. Great to have, have you uh, with us again. As always, we start before I turn the tables. I just want to check in with you and Anna and just wondering how, how are things? How are things with you and Anna? Well, the love story continues. Uh, it's going well. I have found a guest house in Memphis, so I'm going to look at part-time in Memphis, part-time in Denver, part-time probably on a Southwest Airline uh, passenger jet, but uh, excited to yep take that next step. So thanks for asking. And that is a big step. I mean, you know, long distance relationships are always tough. Anna is in Memphis with uh, with little June and you're in Denver uh, most of the time. And uh, I remember back when Laurel and I were quote unquote dating, getting serious. Uh, I'd already gone on to Harvard. So I was already teaching at Harvard. And she was a reporter at WJAR in Providence, Rhode Island. And I remember she would have to be there all week. And then God bless her, she would make the drive from Rhode Island to Boston uh, every weekend. And I remember Friday night, she would show up really late. And then we had a great time on Saturday. And then I remember Sunday, you know, I woke up and I already had knots in my stomach because I knew she was going to have to leave. And I always worried about her uh, making the trip. Um, and uh, so I know that's that's no fun. But, you know, I've been praying for you. And um, I, I'm just hoping that this will work out. I think this is a huge step forward for you. You're in Memphis right now, as a matter of fact. Right? I am. You, just, you just flew in there last night. Live from Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, time to turn the tables, brother. Let's go. No, well, without further ado, here okay, it's well, all yours. Well, speaking of love stories, what was it with Laurel in your relationship with Laurel where you knew you woke up on that day and said, I want to marry this woman? Oh, you're starting off with the good stuff. All right. Well, you know what? Nobody's ever asked me that question, but here's the truth. When we started getting to know each other at Cornell, I was still in love with science. And I told her that science would always be my number one love. I can't believe that I told her that and she stayed with me. Can you believe it? But she did. No, I don't. Yeah, it's crazy, Tim. But she was really my first serious girlfriend. I, I didn't have a social life before Laurel came into my life. So I guess I had missed out on a lot. So as the relationship got serious, it kind of ignited something in me and I wanted to make up for lost time. And I don't I didn't become like a wild child or anything like that, but I started wondering like, okay, but 
how can I commit to this girl before I've even dated other girls? Right. I, I hate to admit it, but it's true. So I guess I, I just dragged my feet too much. And one day Laurel said, you know what? It's Fisher cut bait time. And are you seriously committed to this or not? And I'm like, well, you know, uh, just, I just want to go out there and see what it's like to date other girls. And she said, okay, then go at it, have at it. But it's, it's over between wow. you and me. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't think anything of it. I, like I said, I had never, never done this before. So I was like a kid with a shiny new toy. Hey, there's, there's, there's actually something called a social life. <laughs> and I had just discovered it because I'd been a scientific monk all those years, right? right? There's daylight. <laughs> and so I did start dating other young women. And you know what? I found myself comparing them to Laurel every single time I went out on a date. You know, I'd have a good time, but then I'd come home and I'm like, wow, but, but she isn't Laurel. You know, she isn't Laurel in so many different ways. And this is the point. I'll never forget it. One morning, it was summertime. I woke up in a panic. I mean, a real panic, Tim. And I thought to myself, what have I done? I have like totally blown it with Laurel. I've, I've given away the most remarkable girl in the world. And I remember calling a friend. And, and uh, this was an, uh, an older woman who knew us both mm -hmm. and who was just head over heels in love with Laurel, not related to Laurel, just a mutual friend in Washington, D.C., actually. And uh, I called her and I said, do you, do you know where I could get a hold of Laurel? And she says, why? I said, I think I've blown it. She said, yeah, I think you have. She says, you better call her. She's with her grandfather. And uh you, you, you better call her because yeah. otherwise you're a dummy. <laughs> right. And right. Uh, I felt like a dummy and I remember calling her and uh, she was more than gracious. Uh, I think she was probably expecting it. She was probably thinking, I got to just give this guy enough rope to hang himself. <laughs> and so she said, well, look, but it's, I feel the same way. You, you know, you have to get serious or forget it. No, I'm not going to take you back. If it's just going to be more foot dragging, you, you've got to commit to me here and now that this, you're taking this relationship seriously. And I, I without hesitation, I said, yes, yes, I, I'm taking it seriously because by then I'd gotten it out of my system. And, um, and so, yeah, and, and I remember uh, making the decision to propose to her. And I was at Good Morning America at the time. I was splitting my time between teaching at Harvard and doing ABC News. It was a crazy life, crazy life. And I remember going to one of the producers. She was like our den mother. She was one of the producers at Good Morning America. And I sat down with her. I said, you know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm about to propose to this girl that I've been going out with. And I told her the whole story. I said, I, just, I think I want to do it in Maine. I, I want to go up to Maine. And uh, I think I have found this great B&B &B and I want to propose to her at sunset as the sun is setting, but I don't know where to take her to afterwards. I'd like to take her to a great restaurant. So at right. that time, Julia Child was our resident chef on Good Morning America. So I'll never forget, I'm telling this to the producer. She says, hold on just a minute. She speed dials Julia Child. Julia comes on, hello. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Seriously. And, hello. And, well, I've got Michael here. And she knew who I was because we were both on Good Morning America. And, and Michael's going to be proposing to his girlfriend. 
wants, he's going to be up at certain part of Maine, wants to know, do you know of any great restaurant you can manage? She's, oh, yes, I know this restaurant and I know the chef and I'll, never mind, I'll arrange everything for him. He just shows up. And sure enough, I proposed, I went to that restaurant and God bless her, Julia. She had arranged the best table. It was by the sea, by the ocean, bottle of champagne, the whole nine yards. A chef treated us like royalty that night. That's my story with Laurel. Mm. And so I think to answer your question, that was, again, a long way of answering your question, but I think it deserves the whole treatment, is that I think I knew um, when I woke up in that panic. I think I knew before that, but I was just too dumb, really, and not ready to commit. But that morning, I'll never forget, woke up in a panic. That's when I knew this was her. This was going to be my partner in life. And here we are, Tim, 30 years later. Can you imagine? We just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary this past September. And uh, we've been through thick and through thin, ups and downs, sadness and joy. Yeah, uh, We've been a lot through a lot together. Um, she's my bosom buddy. She's my partner in life. I, I, She will be till death do us part. And uh, I thank God that I didn't I came this close, right? this close. So, Tim, don't blow it. Don't blow it with Anna. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. No, I'm serious because we ha- we went through rough times, mm-hmm. but we weathered it together. Right. You know what I'm saying to you? So when I was close to dropping the ball, she was there for me. Mm-hmm. When she's been there close to dropping the ball, I've been there for her. We've been there for each other. We lift each other up when we're down. And that's... You know, it's not all hunky-dory. It's not all a bowl, bowl of cherries. And I think a lot of young people today, they bail on their partners. I can't remember what actress or singer or something during COVID. She says, oh, I've decided, you know, we're living together. We've been isolated together because it's all locked down. And I've discovered I can't live with this guy. And she bails on him, like after just one or two years of marriage. Are you kidding me? Are you really? What, what Your vows don't mean anything. Through thick and thin, till death do us part. I take stuff like that very, very seriously. So anyway. I want to thank you for sharing that. I love that. And if this whole career path doesn't work out that you're currently on, you could, you know, impersonate Julia Childs. Uh, It's a pretty (laughs) spot on. Uh, I don't know. kind of demand there. You know, Julia was just so special. And, you know, she was huge. I, I mean, I don't know exactly how tall, but I remember when I first met her, she was tall, tall woman. But she was just a remarkable woman, a real pioneer, and uh, they don't make they don't make people like Julia uh, anymore. And she yeah. was one of a kind. They broke the mold after her. Well, speaking of food and Thanksgiving, I'm sure absolutely Laurel is at the top of the list of of gratitude for you. What else are you giving gratitude for? My boy, my boy, my mm-hmm. son, my my precious, precious, precious son. Uh, you know the story. We adopted him when he was about four, and uh, he is the love of my life. He and Laurel are are just for me. The things, uh, of course, after Jesus. He, Jesus is my number one in my life. He's the one for whom I'm most grateful. But in this world and in this life. Um, it's Laurel and my boy, and uh, he and his girlfriend are going to be coming d- to us here at the ranch uh, 
uh, for Thanksgiving, and we're already making preparations because they're bringing. <laughs> now, <laughs> they're part of their menagerie. You know, they're both into animals. They're both college sophomores. They're both majoring in wildlife biology, zoology, equine. You know, they're still talking, but it's about animals. And uh, the last time we visited them, they surprised us because they had a second dog. Uh, they already had one dog, uh, uh, Michi. He's a, a big Great Dane, and uh -huh. he's, he's, he's my grandbaby boy. And he's just big, lovable giant of a dog. But now they surprised me with a, uh, another dog, Ruby. And she's just uh, months old, and they're going to be bringing both Michi and Ruby with them for Thanksgiving, but also the, the ferret, Junior, and their two cats. <laughs> so my wife, Laurel, is already trying to find a, a second kennel because we have oh a big goodness. kennel for Michi, but now we have to have a kennel for Ruby, and she's growing by leaps and bounds because she's a puppy. But they are what I'm going to be all of them. Uh, my son, his girlfriend, our, our grandbabies, as it were, our four-legged grandbabies, and of course, Laurel. And for you, Tim, you know, you are really like a part of our family, and mm. I'm so grateful to you on many for many, many reasons. And uh, uh, this is why I'm always praying for you. And I remember, how many years ago was it that you spent Thanksgiving with us, right? We invited you. I think Ten we went years. to the resort. Probably eight, eight years ago, nine yeah. We were living in California at the time. Yeah. Uh, you and my family were living in California. I think we went to, didn't we go to a resort in Arizona? Palm, Palm Springs. Oh, was it Palm Springs? Palm big, Springs. big resort, right? It had a stream going through it. And we yeah. Even um, turkey legs. I re <laughs> this resort had the biggest, baddest buffet <laughs> I have ever seen. And they had a quartet playing. I mean, it was like stepping into- Fancy. Fancy, right? <laughs> and they offered turkey legs, and you made you made a beeline for those turkey legs. <laughs> I know. You uh, liked it, right? So much to be grateful for. Uh, let's yeah. let's keep pushing forward and get into the nitty gritty. I did want to mention this: the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. I didn't know this. They advise uh, our government, especially NASA, on on what they deem as priorities for the next decade or yeah. so. And I read they just three things that they recommended recently to uh, to NASA to better understand the nature of black holes, to investigate how galaxies form and evolve. And number three caught my attention to identify habitable Earth like worlds. Why? Why is this important or is this important when we are still dealing with so many issues on our own planet? Uh, such as still being in a pandemic and a virus that's really difficult to pin down. What is important about research like this? I think that's, this has everything to do with who and what we are as a species, Tim. We are not a Darwinian species, by which I mean we aren't just concerned about eating, sleeping, and procreating. There is something about us that is curious about things, not only in this world, um, but out there. And that is our spirituality. That is yeah. our spiritual intelligence. That spiritual intelligence makes us curious about things that are not of this world, mm -hmm. literally. And so that causes us to spend billions upon billions of dollars to create new telescopes. In fact, there's going to be a new one launched in the month of December, which as we're recording this is next month. 
Uh, it's the James Webb Telescope. It's an infrared telescope. And without getting into the details, it will enable us to search the heavens for habitable planets like never before. Wow. I mean, we have the Kepler telescope right now, and we have other devices out looking for habitable planets. But this James Webb telescope is going to be um, a quantum mm -hmm. leap forward in our search. But in, in launching rockets and in launching telescopes and searching for habitable planets, we are unconsciously looking for God. But here's the sad part. You know, we talk about designing space colonies uh, mm -hmm. to live out in space ourselves full time. Why? What, what makes us think that somehow we're, we're going to do better out in space than right. here on Earth? I mean, I have the old saying is like, wherever you go, there you are. That's I right. mean, you're going to take all our sinfulness, all our failings, our weaknesses. We're going to take them into space, to Mars, to the moon. That's right. I mean, let's get serious. We're trying to escape from ourselves, and you can't. And so I think that's the sad part, that as we seek answers elsewhere, because we have a sense that there's another world out there, mm -hmm. we don't realize the full implications of that. Mm -hmm. that we need a savior mm -hmm. and it's not going to be a rocket ship and it ain't going to be the next most powerful telescope. That's not what's going to save it. And it's not going to be a space colony. That's not what's going to save us from ourselves. It's going to be Jesus. That's my honest belief. Oh, that's fascinating. In the name of science, we are perhaps on a larger spiritual quest. So for the Jesus follower in this moment in time, well, you tell me, why is it so important in this moment in history that as a Jesus follower, our biblical worldview is not only intact, but is thriving? Why is that so important? I think it's because truth never goes out of fashion. I don't, there are societies, and I think we're one of them right now, which is in many quarters attempting to deny truth or to bend the truth to one's personal agendas. I see this all the time. Uh, truth is bastardized. Truth is trampled on. Truth is politicized. But I think that, and maybe it's my scientific training, but part of my scientific training has always been to look past the noise mm -hmm. and to find the signal. You know, in, yeah, there's a branch of uh, math and, and science called information theory. The premise of information theory is to try to maximize what we call the signal-to-noise ratio. And so I'm very keen on when I'm reading the headlines of the news, and I don't immerse myself in today's news because, you know, honestly, nothing has changed. People are still at each other's throats. I mean, if there were newspapers a thousand years ago, the headlines would be pretty much That's the right. same. Siri, right, Tim? Yes. We dress differently, we have smartphones, we have TVs, we have, you know, internet, but that's all window dressing. At our core, we are still the very same people we have mm -hmm. always been. We are still fallen creatures, and so we generate all this noise, we generate all this divisiveness, all this politicization. Um, I look past that, because as a scientist, I want to discover what what endures, not what is fashionable, not what's trendy, what endures. When all the noise quiets down, what's going to be left? And so when I go uh, to college campuses or like our presentation at Coastal Carolina, that's what I want to share with the kid. You want to build a life on, 
on eternal truths. And I think that's why today, even today, the message of Christianity, the Christian worldview, and the scientific worldview are so important. I think more important than ever because kids see that I am speaking truth, eternal truths that they can build a life on. I'm not some trendy character. I'm not trying to be some trendy character. As, as the Book of Master for such a time as this. Yes. Well, I just want to share one quote that you, you shared with me probably a year, a couple years ago. And when I, when I hear this quote, I, I think of you. It, it's from George Bernard Shaw. And I'll just, if, if it's okay, let me just read this. And he says, that he writes, this is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. The being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It is a sort of splendid torch, which I've got held up for the moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Amen. And that's what I want to do. I want to go out on empty. And I don't know how many years I have left, uh, Tim. I hope I have still many, many good years left. I try to eat well, and I try to stay healthy. I try not to do stupid things. But I don't know. But even if this is like my last official act on earth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like that torch. I want to go out like a brightly lit torch. And I hope that someone who uh, maybe listens to my podcast or hears me speak at a college campus or sees me on TV or whatever will be inspired by something I say, by something they learn from me. And then they will carry that torch onward. But I don't, I don't live in fear, and I will never live in fear. Why? Because the truth will set you free from fear. I know that this, this brief existence on planet Earth, this beautiful but puny little planet in a massive universe, is not all there is to this life, right? So I don't fear. And when my time comes... I'm going to say, God, thank you for the days you gave me. Thank you for the people you put into my life. So this Thanksgiving, I don't even think thanks covers it. God knows that my heart is overflowing with gratitude. So there, you won't hear any whining or complaining from me. And if you do, then you, can, you have permission to just slap me upside the head <laughs> because I'm only human. Right, I will. Look, I'm not sitting here like some Pollyanna little, uh, you know, Mr. Saint. I'm not Saint Michael, trust me. And that's why I don't watch the news, by the way, because I think news is like a trigger. Anybody who watches the news today, (laughs) I don't care where you are politically, right, left, center. If you watch the news, you're going to start complaining. You are guaranteed you are going to start. Absolutely. (laughs) So how to fix that? Don't watch the news. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Oh, and maybe goodness. read our Bible instead of watching the news. Yes. And by the way, at the end of the day, uh, Laurel and I have made it a habit now. It started about two, three months ago 
if you go on YouTube, um, you, you will find uh, he's an African man uh, who's got a fantastic life story. His name, he calls himself Dappy Keys, D-A-P-P-Y-K-E-Y-S. I'll put a link on this on this podcast. But uh, what we do when we're getting ready for bed, we turn on Dappy Keys. And what I love about Dappy Keys is that not only he doesn't have just instrumentals and beautiful scenery, because a lot of them will have beautiful scenery, which is nice. But what Dappy does is even better. He puts scripture. Mm-hmm. He has scripture as he's playing. So you're not only listening to the music, which is just beautiful to your soul. It just calms you way down, prepares you for your rest. But you're reading scripture. Like you say, immerse yourself in the word. And boy, I tell you, there's no better way to cap off a day, especially if it's been an aggravating day or a tough day, which we will all have, right? But what a wonderful. So big shout out to Dappy Keys. My brother, keep doing what you're doing. Love it. Love it. Uh, And as we think of our world view, we have to ask ourselves, what's at the center of our universe? Absolutely. And just to wrap up, Tim, it wasn't so long ago that I was at the center of my universe. Hmm. But then I discovered something even greater than me and my dream. I, I discovered something greater even than the cosmos, where we're sending all these rockets and telescopes and seeking planets. I discovered the creator of the universe. And ever since then, Tim, he alone has been and will remain at the center of my universe. And uh, this Thanksgiving, it's going to be him that I thank for everything. And for the privilege of working with you and with so many others behind the scenes to uh, share the truth with love uh, with college students all over this nation and then even overseas all over this world. Uh, Tim, thank you so much. And uh, I do consider it a privilege to know and to work with you. Uh, thank you for these turning the tables. It's always fun for me. I hope it is for you. And again, <laughs> please give Anna and June our love. Thank and you. until next time, uh, my fellow traveler who's listening or watching you right now, I'm going to be thanking God for you as well. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, that's it for now. Remember, this podcast is not a lecture series. It's a conversation. So now it's your turn. Comments, questions, I'm eager to hear from you. There's all kinds of ways you can connect up with me via my social media links in the show notes below. Till next time, I'm still Dr. G saying, I love science, I love God, I also love you, my fellow traveler. Thanks for listening.